Welcome to the Pericle Podcast. This is Jared Pitney, and today is a special episode because we are joined by Coach Jeff Conaway. Jeff played quarterback at Green County Tech for three years. He coached there for four, and then after having an incredibly successful run at Shiloh Christian in Northwest Arkansas, Jeff and his family recently moved to Orlando, Florida, where he now serves as the head coach and associate athletic director at the First Academy. I personally found this to be a very rich phone conversation around leadership, learning from our mistakes, the gospel, grit, and so much more. As always, thanks for listening. And now on to today's episode with Coach Conaway. Jeff, thanks so much for making space to be on the podcast today. You're welcome, Jared. Happy to be here. You are in rare air because this is only the second time we have recorded a podcast um, th- via phone. And so Jimmy Lou Fisher, the late Jimmy Lou Fisher, who was a state treasurer for Arkansas, appointed by Bill Clinton, she did a phone call with us um, back in, I think it was 2020. And um, the reason she did the phone call, she was at Chateau on the Ridge and they couldn't let her out for COVID. And interesting enough, I'm actually, as I record this right now, Jeff, I've got three kids with COVID. So the only two times wow. we've recorded on the phone, it's been COVID related. But um, you're in great company. I really look forward to hearing about your story uh, of how you kind of got uh, to where you are today. And so, um, but, but let's start here. Were you born and raised in Paragon? I know you were raised in Paragon. Were you born here? I was born in Missouri, and we moved to Paragold when I was five. And so, it obviously, Paragold felt like home. I spent the majority of my life there and uh, had, a, had a lot of really good experiences there. So, I, I still, there's a, a large piece of me that calls Paragold home. My family still lives there. So, uh, yeah, spent a lot of time there in Paragold. When did you get into football? Did you start playing whenever you were, I mean, like as, as far back as you can remember, or is that something that came on later in life? I believe I started in boys club, which uh, if I remember correctly, that was probably second or third grade mm-hmm. and was a, was a member of the, uh, the, the boys club there in Paragold. And, uh, started that competition with, you know, we had, I was at Green County Tech, but we, we played against and played with the kids from Paragold. And uh, it was really cruel what they did to us. They let us play together as we were in boys club. And then they, you know, they sent, they sent us on two different teams and we had to kind of create that crosstown rivalry that, you know, everybody wanted everybody to hate each other, it felt like. Uh, so it was, it was kind of cruel that we had, we started out being friends, playing boys club football together, and then we became enemies playing, you know, GCT versus Perigold and, and, and Ridgecrest. And, and so interesting how that, that town has has kind of uh, where, where they came from and where they are now as far as two schools in the same town competing against each other. Yeah, well, it's interesting you bring that up because this podcast is going to be released uh, on uh, the 25th, and so uh, August 25th. So as this comes out, um, it's coming out the night of the Tech Paragould football game. You've been in, in several different places. Um, you've obviously played here, but then you've played other places. You've been a you know coach. Would you say that this is one of the best, you know, rivalries you could have out there? Does it compare to other rivalries? Is it the same? Is it different? I mean, like, like what was it like for you to play in that? Like, as a player, what was it like for you? And, and even as a coach, because eventually you, you came back and, and you coached uh, for Tech. Yeah, it was it was always so interesting because 
and, and I'm a Dream County Keg guy, so I, I, can, I feel like I can say this and not offend anybody, but we we kind of did put a lot of emphasis on that game, and, and everybody did. Mm-hmm. And, and where, where I kind of – the reason I bring that up is because now in coaching – you can't you can't do that. Yeah. You know, it, it really shouldn't come down to that game. Mm-hmm. When you're in when you're in coaching or even when you're when you're playing, you you want to be you want your expectation and your standard to be higher than that. And I can just I just remember remembering back to those high school days where that game meant everything. And it really shouldn't have. It should have yeah. been let's let's go make the playoffs. Let's go try to chase a, a championship and and those types of things, in in my opinion, Paragold is a very difficult place to play great football, and and they're mm-hmm. playing teams that are very talented, and it's it's just hard to it's hard to chase a conference championship. It's hard to chase a state championship. It's it's even hard to chase playoff berths, and so I think that's why that game did mean so much, mm-hmm. is because. You wanted for the for the remainder of that year. You wanted to be able to walk around town knowing that we may not have made the playoffs, we may not have won the conference, yeah. we may not have won state, but we sure didn't lose to those guys. And so I think that's why that game does mean so much. Do you think you said Paragold's a hard place to play? I mean, you're playing other good teams. It's a hard place to even not just to win a conference championship, but even to make it to the state playoffs. Is that because we have two schools? that are the same, or I mean, I guess Texas is a little bit bigger now, but roughly the same size right here in this city? Like, like, or, or is it something completely different than that? I think that's part of it. I think there are, if, if half of them are pulling in one direction, the other half pulling in the other direction, and, and those one school towns where everybody is all in it together, it, it definitely makes a big difference. Uh, you travel down to Penn, Arkansas, and you travel to some other places that we're familiar with. And when everybody in the town can hang a sign on a fence and give money to a program and cheer for one school, that that definitely has its, its advantages. And when, when there are two schools in the size of a town like Farragut, I, I think that's a huge disadvantage for a lot of our, a lot of our kids. Uh, I don't, that's never going to change, you know, but, uh, I do think that that is a huge disadvantage when you're playing teams that aren't set up quite like that. Yeah. Tell me what it was like for you as a player uh, to play in those games. It, it, it had to feel a lot different. I mean, were there, was there more nerves, more excitement? I mean, what was, it, what was it like for you, if you can reflect back on being a player, getting ready for that game? I can re- remember just knowing that I'm about to play some of my buddies remembering I know that everybody that cares about football in this town is going to be here. And so you, you, as a player, you add so much more pressure to yourself that week because you, 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 you never want to make a mistake. You never want to disappoint. You never want to play poorly, but you really don't want to play poorly when everybody in town is, mm-hmm. is there watching yep. you play. And so I remember games, but I probably remember more from those games and, and maybe, maybe some of the, situations before the game after the game but but when I think back to my high school career there are a lot of tech paragold memories probably more so than some of the other opponents on the schedule what was your uh what was your record against paragold your 10th 11th 12th grade year well I don't 
want to brag, <laughs> but <laughs> no, I I think my from from junior high through twelfth grade, I the games that I played, and I only missed one. I missed my, I missed my junior year because I tore my ACL oh, week that's three right. against Nettleton. But, but I never lost to Paragold from wow seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, my sophomore year and my senior year. Our junior year, we did lose to them, but. That's not a pat on the back for me. That was just that was just my experience um, with the team that I was on, playing the, the team that they that they had at that time through my junior high and senior high experience. Uh, but it was the, the thing that I remember most is my senior year, and we discussed this throughout the week when we were talking back and forth. But I want to say it was the first drive. Yep. And Josh Butler, who, in my opinion, is, is one of the best athletes to ever come through that town. Mm. He and Matt Foster were, were simply, Matt was blocking. He was just stock blocking him on an offensive play. Josh was just trying to get off the block. And they were just being physical, and they were getting after. There was no fighting. There was no fist thrown. And uh, the official tosses both of them, mm-hmm. which totally, you know, if you're an official, you gotta, you gotta. I understand trying to keep everybody in line. I understand trying to send a message, but and you, that official eliminated a lot of really good memories from both oh, of those man. young men. They were both seniors, and it changed and, the game. Um, I just, yeah, it, it definitely changed the game because Josh was a quarterback, Matt was a receiver, um, and and you know you can say well one was better than the other, but both of them had significant roles on both offense and defense and probably even special teams. And so it's, it, it was really unfortunate that that happened, um, you know, for both of them. And I, I'm friends with both of them. And so I, I, I definitely hurt for them because they, they missed a, they missed a really cool opportunity. Yeah. I remember you talked about Josh being a good athlete. I remember, obviously I went to Paragould and so I watched him. He's a couple of years. I guess we got, you were the same age. Is that right? You and Josh? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. um, graduated, I guess in 99 and, I mean, I just remember him running all over the field, and it was just, it almost seemed impossible for people to catch him. You know, he didn't have just always the greatest blocking or whatever, and, and, and he just made plays happen. But I also remember you being that way as well. Y'all had very similar styles, I thought, in how you played, just from a, a you know, uh, a fan perspective. Was there other players around here that you would say, who, who would you say is the best person you played, played against or even with uh, in your time at NEA? I think the teams that at win, I yeah. think of the Stigals and the Antonio Warren. Yep, uh, they had they had a great group of of linemen, D linemen, running backs, and uh, I think we probably could, in my high school experience, we could put together an all star team with guys from from win, and and they did. They had the best players, and they typically had the best yeah. teams. D'Angelo Williams came uh, through. D'Angelo Williams was a little bit younger than me, but he came through. Jonathan Adams at Osceola was a little bit older. Yep. Uh, Bo Mosley at, oh, yeah, yeah. at Osceola. Um, there's another one that I'm missing. Uh, but I can remember playing Osceola my senior year, and, and one of those jokers went to Alabama and played as a freshman the next year, and one of them went to Arkansas and played as a freshman the next year. And so, wow. you know, I, I, I can remember playing against a uh, an SEC secondary <laughs> my senior year in the 5A East or whatever it was at that time uh, just because of that area at Wynn and at Osceola and Newport they just 
that was a time where they had some really, really good athletes. They did. You ever remember getting your? Uh, do you ever remember just getting absolutely having your clock cleaned? Like, did you ever just get drilled, or were you able to be elusive enough to avoid any big hits? Jared, I was an option quarterback. <laughs> I got my clock cleaned just about every third play. I felt like <laughs> because I wasn't. I wasn't elusive enough. You know, those guys were such better athletes than me. And, you know, you mentioned Josh, but Josh was a way better athlete than me. Hmm. Um, I think what I did well is I, I played hard and I was hmm. probably a little crazy. You got to be a little bit crazy to play, you know, in, in that style of offense as a quarterback. But Yeah, so talk to me about that I, for I a really, second. Like, talk to me about the, the, the attitude of it. How much of football, because since you've been on that side and now on – on this side as coaching, like you said, you weren't as athletic as Josh, or maybe not as athletic as some of the guys out there, but you had a little bit of craziness, obviously some resilience. Like how much at the high school level, at least when you look at a good player, okay, like we're just talking about a good high school player, not even necessarily D1, but a good high school player, how much of it is ability versus just like attitude, like mindset? Well, this is year 20 for me coaching and, I can I can say this with confidence. I've seen kids that refuse the they refuse to stand on the sideline and be average, and they're, they're not extremely gifted. They're not fast. They can't jump high. They 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 may not be extremely uh, well put together. They may not be strong com- compared to the competition, but they're going to go out there and they're going to learn what to do. They're going to do it with everything that they have in them, and they're going to be highly productive. Mm. And so I feel like it's, it's attitude, it's, it's effort, it's preparation, it's, it's being persistent year over year over year. And so that your senior year, mm. you get an opportunity to, to, to capitalize on it. And mm. I've seen it so many times. And so, and I've also seen that talented kid not do those things and be pretty average mm-hmm. when, when the other inferior athlete is willing to work, put in the time and the preparation and probably have a better senior year experience than the talented kid that was, you know, maybe he was the starter as a sophomore. And so yep. I think it's definitely the, uh, the attitude and the work ethic, work, work ethic. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm also not unrealistic when, when a very talented kid does that. And I've seen both, you know, they're going to reap even a greater reward. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, I, that, that's kind of how I would, Looking back over the 20 years, that's how I would sum that up. Yeah, Angela Duckworth, I don't know if you've heard of her book, Grit. I think it's a New York Times oh, bestseller. Yeah. Okay, then you know about it. And she says, like, the number one determining uh, factor for success, it's not IQ. Um, I think she calls it, like, I can't remember what she calls it. It's I, uh, whatever it is. But anyway, she's, the idea is the greatest kind of determining factor for success is grit. Like, hands down, yep. more than your intellect or, or your, your natural ability. And I was listening to, just to your point, uh, I've been following Deion Sanders just because I think it's a really it's a really fun story to follow with him in Colorado. I have no idea how he's going to do, but he had uh, Terrell Owens in, talk to his players the day before, I think, and is on YouTube. And, and they, he was just telling the story about like going from basically being like a seventh string to a fifth string to a third string. And it was all about like, you know, as he progressed through – his college career and it was like hey like I just continued to work and work and work and work and then eventually you know the rest of his story I mean, he's an NFL Hall of Famer and so it's just to your point the power of work ethic so you know eventually you left tech and you graduate you go to Washtenaw Baptist um, 
Did you know when you went to college that you want to be a football coach? No, I actually worked with uh, Steve Smoker and Kenny Kendall at Hyde Pharmacy. I went to mm. Washita thinking I was going to be a pharmacist. Mm. And when I began taking all of those classes, <laughs> I quickly realized, <laughs> I don't know that I want to be a pharmacist. <laughs> I don't want it that uh, bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I was I was playing football there at Washita Baptist. And again, I wasn't great, but I was on the team. And I, I got a little bit of playing time as a, as a college football player. And I roomed with Josh Floyd, who is, you know, he was Gus Malzahn's first state championship quarterback at Shallow Christian. And that's really my connection to Shallow is my my college roommate was Mm. the first QB. And he ended up, when we graduated, he went to Bryant High School. I stayed at Arkadelphia High School. And the very next year, he got the job at Shallow. and, And I went with him as his offensive coordinator at age 23. Wow. So. I tell people everywhere, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I knew the right person, yep. and, and I was fortunate to, to get a job at, at one of the best high school football programs in the country. Yeah, I just had that conversation with a guy yesterday here in Paragould who was frustrated about that. You know, like, it's not about, you know, it's all about who you know. And I was like, man, how are you going to get mad about that? You know, it's like, obviously you – you were qualified for the job. It's not like someone's just like, I'm going to do my buddy a favor, and he has no idea what he's doing. But it's like if you have two guys who are fairly equally qualified, of course you're going to go for the person that you know. You know, like you, if you know their character, you like you know the kind of person they are, like you know their reputation. And so it's so important, I think, for those listening to this, like especially while you're young, is to try to build a network, to be somewhat sociable, like you know, to look for opportunities to build relationships, and not just like to get ahead in life. But that's certainly one of the benefits from that um, is if you know somebody, I mean, like later on, who knows, like it may, you know, turn into a job, which for you ended up being a career. So you're at Shiloh. How long were you there before you went to Tech, came back to Tech? Four years. Okay, so you're there four years. Was Tech your first uh, head coaching job or were you doing that at Arkadelphia or somewhere else before Shiloh? No, that was my first head coaching job. I was 27 and – I, uh, the story that kind of the way that I've, I've looked back and, and kind of reflected on it is, is really strange. We don't have time for all of those details, but it, basically one day I found out that the job was open and, um, it was, it was right after I just told my men's small group that morning that I felt like for whatever reason, God was preparing me for my next job. Hmm. And it's so strange, Jared, just thinking back every time I've made a change, I can go back and reflect where God started preparing me mm. to start. You know, I, I've, I've always had that strange feeling of, oh man, something's, yep. something's stirring, something's moving and, and I'm on, I'm on high alert, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you start probably praying a little bit more than you did and you start seeking a little bit harder than maybe you were. And Mm. uh, that was definitely one of those cases there when I, when I knew that that GCT job had opened, um, I, I very quickly and and probably even before I knew, I felt like God was, was stirring and and maybe a change was about to occur. And and I remember people being ecstatic whenever you decided to take that job. Um, I'm guessing you went through somewhat of an interview process and then kind of kept it, you know, mum is the word for a while. But I even remember whenever you were coming back, because Shiloh is a, it's a household name, right? Like, 
not even just in the state, but I think they've had obviously like some national recognition over the years. But you coming back, um, man, people were really excited about the potential of that. I, I'm curious, once you got here and, and, and you, you know, stepped into the coaching position, what was that time like for you? Well, it was, it was fun. It was exciting, but it was also extremely challenging and very painful. There were a lot of things that I learned. As a 27-year-old head coach, there were a lot of things that I didn't know hmm. and that I needed to experience. Um, and again, some of those things were really good. Some of them were really painful. Hmm. Uh, there were some things that I felt like I learned in my six years at GCT that allowed me to have success, not only there, but in my next job. I, I'm always thankful and I'm always referring back to the things that I learned at GCT mm. added so much value to my life not only as a coach but as a husband and as a father I, I really do believe that that was that was some great learning ground that was that was a, a season of my life where I learned some valuable information and I would never I would never eliminate that you know mm. uh, I think sometimes we we think back to those painful moments and we we wish that maybe we didn't go through those painful moments, but, but not me. I, I'm so thankful mm -hmm. for that. And, you know, another painful moment that we didn't talk about is my junior year when I tore my ACL. That, that too is just another moment in my life where I feel like God was really reorganizing and reprioritizing my idols. I had football mm -hmm. as an idol and it was a, in that moment as a junior in high school where I felt like God told me, if I'm not first in your life, I'm going to rearrange your life, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. And he certainly used that ACL injury to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm, I'm always, I've got the scar to prove it. I've got the pain and the need to prove it that uh, when things do get out of priority, uh, there's always, there's always those subtle reminders. And, sure. and I really equate that to when, when the good shepherd has that sheep that continues to wander and eventually he goes and finds it and he breaks that leg so that that sheep has to depend on him. Yeah. And I really do believe that that's what God did to me. And I've got that daily reminder. And that's good. You know, the writer of Hebrews talks about it as God disciplines those that he loves. You know, I mean, like if you're a child of God, just like a, a good parent, you know, like if your kids out playing in the street, right, eventually like you're going to, you're going to discipline them. Um, not because you're necessarily mad at them and just trying to get revenge, but it's like, I'm trying to teach you a better way to live like a, a happier, a more fulfilling way to live. And so I'm, I'm curious, what are some of the lessons, you know, obviously our failures are able, I think, uh, we all try to avoid failure at all costs. I know I do, but it does seem like our failures are able to teach us so much more a lot of times in our victories if we allow them to. Um, what are some of the lessons you learned walking away from the tech job that, that, that you can recall that maybe um, helped you become, like you said, a better coach, a better, a better husband, better father? I think I think I really learned how to develop uh, those around me. I, I learned how to build relationships, and, and I was a young coach. I was 27. I wanted to develop a a system. I wanted to develop product a product on the field that people would be happy about. I wanted to win, mm -hmm. and I really think that there were times that I wanted to win probably more than than anything else, mm -hmm. and that. You know, obviously, as a coach, that's not why you get into this career. Mm. 
Um, but I, but I'm really thankful for my, my relationships that I did build there. And, and I'm really thankful for just understanding at a young age that if, if you're going to get into coaching, it's, it's a ministry and it's going to require a lot of time, effort, and energy. And I learned quickly that I'm going to have to pour my life into this if I want to build those relationships that matter. But also if I want to put a product on the field, that's going to be enjoyable to watch it's going to take a lot of time and yeah. it was something that my wife and I we did together our whole family really uh, did it together and uh, it's something that we've continued to do so I, I think to, to answer your question I learned how to do that more efficiently more effectively yeah. um, and, and and really I'm, I'm proud of that knowledge I haven't got it all figured out yet uh, I sure. hope one day I do but I'm still trying still yeah. trying to figure that out and, and do it well yeah, it sounds like you're you're talking to you're talking about what um, David Brooks uh, talks about the second mountain. He wrote a book called The Second Mountain. He's a New York Times, another New York Times bestseller, and, and wrote for the New York Times. But he talks about you know when you're young, which you obviously were when you took over that position. I think we're still young, by the way. But uh, you were really young then. You're in your twenties. He would say you were climbing the first mountain, which is like you're trying to build a resume, right? Like you're trying to build a career mm-hmm. for yourself. And then he says, eventually, as you get older, you go from the first mountain to the second mountain. And the, and the second mountain is a lot more about relationships and it's about the resume. And he says, you really are about trying to, you're, you're focusing a lot more on what he calls um, funeral virtues instead of resume virtues. You know, it's your character and all those kind of things. And I think when you're young, it's just really hard to, to see that because you do come out and you're zealous and you're passionate. And you've got big plans and, you're, and you feel like it's got to be done immediately. And so um, that's awesome, man, that you were able to realize some of that and, and, and still to this day, like you said, working through that and, and making that a focus in your life. Because I think a lot of people go through their entire life and then come like to their final days on their deathbed and they realize like, oh, man, like I succeeded at all the things that in the end really didn't matter at all. Um, it really does come back to relationships. Like you said, relationship with God, um, with others, and, and even with ourselves. So, you know, eventually you left Tech um and you went to Shiloh you were if I if I remember correctly you spent 13 years at Shiloh as a football coach and athletics director and under your leadership I mean the team really prospered uh, you went to four straight championship games um you had a 99 and 27 overall record and a 12 and 2 record uh, in the last season there what do you think contributed to that success I think I was at a great place it was a, a traditional place where Gus Malvon and Chris Wood, Josh Floyd all really laid the groundwork and I was just able to come in and, and, and not necessarily change things, but just add where I thought we needed to add. And I think what, what I was able to do there at, at Shallow was bring good coaches in and, and figure out how, how do we make the most of our ability to coach football, minister to kids. And uh, we, we kind of, we kind of wanted our focus to be in four areas. We wanted to develop champions spiritually, academically, socially, and athletically. And we really didn't deviate from that a whole lot. And we started putting in systems in place for us to do that well. And we got better at it. At, you know, Each year, I felt like we moved and evolved and, and improved our efficiency. And we got better and better and better at it. And then we started syncing that same mission to our junior high and to our youth league. And I think that's what I was most proud of in my nine years at Shiloh is, is we didn't just coach senior high football. We did a really good job of coaching junior high and coaching youth league. And our youth league team last year won, they went 40 and 0 wow. 
and our seventh grade team won. Our junior high team won a conference championship. Our senior high team won a conference championship. And so I, I think the reason I'm proud of that is because it would have been really easy for me and those coaches to be satisfied with a, with a great high school football team. But we wanted more out of our influence. And we wanted to influence those junior high kids and their parents. We wanted to influence those youth league kids and their parents. And, and we really just kind of grew that influence and God blessed it. And, um, you know, that, that's what made it so difficult to leave a place like shallow is we had a well oiled machine on the field, mm. but what maybe some people didn't know and understand is we had a well oiled machine off the field and people, people were living right. People were enjoying victory that, that God gives us now people were thriving. And, um, you mm. know, I think that's, that's something that we forget. The gospel message is not just that Jesus is going to forgive us and give us eternal life when we die. The gospel message is twofold. He'll, he'll give us that, but he'll also give us victory over sin now. Mm-hmm. And he'll give us that abundant life that, that he promises. And, and where the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy, he's going to come and give us life and abundance, not just when we make it to heaven, but we can experience a piece of that now on this side of heaven. Yeah. And I think we were doing that really well. <laughs> That's incredible. And I would think it would be hard to leave. I'm, You know, I always tell people, um, remind, you know, folks that, that the Paragraph podcast isn't necessarily a Christian podcast, but sometimes it certainly goes this direction. And we end up talking about the gospel because we have people on here whose lives have been transformed by Jesus. And, and you know, we didn't set this up, right? Like, I'm not like, hey, try to find a way to get to Jesus. Like, this is just kind of coming out. It's just kind of coming coming out of you, right? And, and since it has, like, I'll let the conversation, I'll just kind of go where you're going with it. For those who might be listening to this, um, I'm going to totally put you on the spot here, let you put your, your, your missionary hat on, your preacher hat on, like, those who are listening to this, like maybe they're skeptical and there are more and more people that are skeptical, right? Like more and more people who probably listen to someone like you talk about Jesus and how he can give you life and these things. Um, and they kind of roll their eyes and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's not been my experience. I think especially if you've grown up in the religious South, you know, because like, you know, kind of somewhat the right ideas about God and you've heard about Jesus, but like maybe you never really had a personal encounter with him. Like to that person who might be listening to this or the person who may be would claim to be a Christian, but, but is not experiencing victory over sin at all. I don't even feel victory. I feel like I'm just totally losing at life. Like, is there any message that you would say to them, whether that's a student or an adult, a parent, like anything that comes to mind? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a minister or a, uh, uh, I, I'm not in that world but I'm a, I'm a coach and I'm a normal person that, uh, when, when I was young was disconnected from my father and, and I had a great stepdad and Danny Bratcher that kept us in church. And, and I learned about the gospel and, and I learned about that heavenly father love and I needed that. And so I'm not, um, you know, I, 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 I practice it with, I'm not a preacher, but I was a sinner that needed a savior. And, and I, I learned how much God loved me through Jesus. And I learned that he was willing to adopt me into his family and not only make me a child of God, but make me an heir to Jesus and a co-heir with the, the, the kingdom, the kingdom. And the more I learned about that, the more I experienced that, the more I fell in love with, with Jesus and the more, and, and I still have a long way to go. It's easy to talk about this and, and make it myself out to be better than I really am. But, 
But again, that's that's why I am thankful for what he did for me because I'm not worthy. I was a born sinner, and I had so much junk and so much sin in my life, and I knew I needed forgiveness. And over the last few years, I have I have tried, and God has blessed me to learn how to be a self feeder, and I've I've learned how to feed on Scripture, and I, I've I've learned that when I don't feed on Scripture, that I'm malnourished spiritually. But when I do, he does an incredible work through me. And, and I remember this story when, when Jesus' last days on earth, he, he gathered up the disciples and he said, guys, I got one more illustration for you. And he was an illustration kind of guy. And I would imagine a lot of them had no idea what he was talking about at the moment. But he goes over to the grapevines and he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Mm. If you abide in me and, you're, and my word abides in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think where I've learned is when I'm connected to the source, when I'm spending quality time with Jesus and I'm in the scripture and I'm praying and I'm connected or I'm abiding, he does this crazy thing through me that produces fruit. I, yeah. It's not mine. Yep. It's, it's the fruit of the spirit, but he allows the fruit to be produced. And I like life when I'm producing fruit. Yeah, man. And I, so it's just this. Go ahead. It's just this love relationship that I have with him. I, I love when he's producing fruit in my life. I love when uh, I'm not living in the flesh, but I'm allowing him to live through me. And uh, you know, so that, that's kind of where I'm at, where I'm at in my, in my journey, and I'm trying to figure out how to do that better. That's beautiful. I just shared. Um, I, I was just talking about this on Sunday um, with our congregation, uh, the John 15 passage, and I compared it to. You know, I have a dog um, that every morning when I'm drinking my coffee on the front porch, it, it'll sit beside me. And a lot of times it'll literally lay on my foot. And I said, you know, on the one hand, like, it's really easy. All it has to do is just kind of lay there. And while it's laying there, it's staying connected to my love, right? Like, it's, it, he, he's physically, tangibly experiencing my love in that moment, right? Um, and that seems easy. All he has to do is lay there and relax in my love. But there's, it's not always easy because there's squirrels in my front yard, you know, and there's rabbits and cats and all that. It's like, it's really easy for him to get distracted when I run after it. But it's like, man, the, as long as he just can sit there and abide in that, um, like, you know, he's, he's going to experience the love. And from that, I think in the Christian life, the same is true. Like if, if we can learn to just rest and relax in God's love, you don't have to try harder to be better. Like you said, this, it's mysterious, but it's like this living, loving, like sap, you know, Jesus is on the vine, you're the branches, flows from him into us. And that's how you become more of a person of love and joy and peace and patience and all those things. So very, very well said, man. Even though you may not be a paid pastor or preacher, you communicated that very, very clearly. So, um, you know, let, let's talk about, you know, you said it'd be hard for you, I'm guessing, to probably imagine ever leaving northwest Arkansas, Arkansas. But now here you are in Orlando. How in the world did you get from Arkansas to Orlando to where now you're, you're serving there as the head coach and associate athletics director at the First Academy? Well, I'll try to speak fast. It is a long story, but I'll, I'll try. So I get a call, a text from one of our church pastors at Cross Church who used to work at Orlando First Baptist, and he says, I've got a buddy who's going to be looking for a head football coach. He's the head of school at TFA. And he's going to call you. And I thought, uh, great. You know, I don't mean to like brag, but I get those types of messages a lot. And I didn't think a whole lot about it, really, mm -hmm. because I'm at Shallow and Shallow's a great place. Well, he ends up calling me and I answer the phone just, just really to be 
polite, and he says, we're looking for a new football coach. I know you're probably not interested because you're at Shiloh, and we're not Shiloh, and, but would you be willing to help us find the next guy? And at that, I kind of let my guard down a little bit. I was like, well, sure, I, I don't mind helping you, you know, find your next guy. I can, I can definitely help you. I'm just not coming. Mm. Um, and so it was really strange, Jared, that weekend, my wife had a, a weekend plan with her sister in Kansas city. Her parents were coming in town to watch the kids. I, I was kind of a fish out of water, to be honest with you. I <laughs> thought I was going to go to SMU to hang out with Rhett Lashley and that fell through. And so I was kind of looking for something to do because I didn't want to be the fifth wheel at our house, you know, with, with our kids and our grand and our, their grandparents. And so it worked out to where he said on the phone, well, why don't I just fly you down, put you up in a hotel and you can kind of come and walk, walk around, look at our campus, figure it out. Hmm. When I got there, it was, it was very evident what I saw I liked. And I started really checking off some boxes like All right, school's great. Administration's great. Facilities are great. Uh, athletes are great. It, it, and I just started saying, maybe, maybe this is something I should look at. So I get back to the hotel that night. I call Melissa and I say, Melissa, I hope you're sitting down because what I just experienced, we might want to look at this job. Hmm. And it obviously, you know, blew our minds. So anyway, I fly back to Northwest Arkansas and they give me a call the next week and basically say, Hey, you're our guy but we don't want to offer you without offering and getting to know your wife and your kids. And they said, can you guys come back down? And I said, no, I can't. I've got football practice. I've got football camp. I can't leave. And so they said, well, could we just fly Melissa and the kids down? And to that, I said, well, sure, (laughs) you know, sure, go for it. (laughs) So they did the same thing that they did with me, with my wife and my kids. And when my kids and my wife came back home, we all kind of sat down and I said, did you guys feel the same thing I felt? And they all did. Wow. And so we're sitting here thinking, what's going on? We love Shiloh. We can't leave Shiloh. And so we started praying and we said, God, if this is your call, make it, make it evident. We're, we're sheep. We're dumb animals. Mm -hmm. We don't know what to do, but Mm -hmm. if you want us to leave, make it clear as day. And sure enough, when they when they called us on the Thursday and they offered us the job and they offered us what they offered us, it was a no brainer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's that's our story. We felt like it was uh, God orchestrating those things, and and all of the dominoes fell where they should have fallen. And we felt very good. We felt peace. We felt like, yeah, this is this is this is it. So we did it. What? Uh, yeah. What are you most excited about now that you're there? Like what excites you about the opportunity? Building. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy building. I, I went to GCT and I built. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and even when I went to Shiloh, there were some things. It wasn't a rebuild, but it was a remodel. And there was a, there were a lot of things that we had to, to rebuild, if you will, and establish. And, and we put layer on layer at Shiloh and, and, and got better and better and better. And so I, I do, I like that. I think every coach does. Uh, it, it is a challenge. It's, it's a different challenge. And I've definitely been invigorated since I've been here. Hmm. Uh, there's definitely some frustrations, you know, I, I, it's easy to compare and say, man, I wouldn't be dealing with this if I was at Shiloh. But I do think when you go and you build, the reward is great. Yes. And that's what I'm looking forward to is one day 
being able to look back and say, man, we really invested a lot of time, effort, energy into this program, but look what, look what God has blessed us with and look mm-hmm. what the people have worked so hard for. And, uh, that's, that's when the, the payoff comes. Yeah. Have you had a chance to go to Disney yet? I have not. I really haven't done anything but work. I, my, there's a guy that he, he asked me all the time, his son plays for us. He says, coach, have you got into your pool yet? And I haven't. <laughs> I've been in Orlando for several months, and I've not touched any water yet. And so it, it's kind of like starting a business. You know, your first few days, weeks, months, maybe even years, you're going to invest everything that you can invest, and you're going to work really hard. And, and for a season, you're probably going to overwork, and, and that's kind of where I am now. Yep. I, I have to take time out and, and breaks here and there to spend with the family, of course. But, but that's just – we've been running fast. Sure. What would you say, looking back at your so far in your coaching career, I know it's still going, but you have uh, been going at this for some time. You've been around some really good coaches, right? You talk about Rhett Lashley and you were friends. Uh, I don't know if you still stay in contact with the Gus Malzahn, but obviously he's got an, one of the greatest offensive minds. And then just you just got all the experience. What have you learned? What have you taken away? Like, or what are some of the, whether it's one big lesson or some big lessons? right now um, that you could look back on and, and that maybe you're still trying to learn from and, and, and live into today? I've, the biggest lesson is it is all about relationships, everything. And that's easy to say. You know, I, you, you hear so many people say that. Well, what does that mean? I think what that means is I want to be the kind of coach that builds a relationship with the lunch lady the custodians, the best player on the team, the worst player on the team, mm-hmm. the dad of the best player, the dad of the worst player, the English teacher. I want to be relational, and I want to use the platform and the influence that, that God has given me, not just to know my best players or know our players, but I want to be influential. And, and I've been so blessed. I got to call – Michael Todd the other day, it was his birthday, and he was my mm-hmm. coach, and, or one of them, Gene Weeks, Bruce Hunt, Michael Todd, and, and, and those guys did so much for me. And I can remember just telling Coach Todd, hey, I, I love you, and I appreciate the influence that you had on my life. Mm-hmm. And I want people to be able to say that about me, not just so that they're saying it about me, but sure. it's a responsibility. It's a burden that I carry because I've got young boys under my leadership that they need to be able to say that about somebody. And I'm that guy that they need to be able to say that about someday. And so I, I want to do it the right way. And I mess up a lot. And even today, I, you know, we, we practice early here because of the heat. And so we start at 6 a.m. and go to 8. And, you know, today was a frustrating day. I had to get on to some boys. And, and, and it's always interesting when I circle back around after a rough practice and I try to love on the kid and, and most of the time, they, they really appreciate the hard love and the hard coaching. Um, it, it's difficult to take a group of private school Christian kids and turn them into football players. Mm. You've got to be really, really skilled and really, really intentional to do that, or you'll get sloppy, and it'll turn into let's create the warrior and not the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's fun. It's, it's a challenge, and, and you know, like I said, I, I'm trying to learn how to do it better every day. That's great. I could riff on that for a long time, but for the sake of your time, I'd love to move into some rapid-fire questions if you're ready for it. Let's do it. 
All right. Number one, what is the last show or movie you watched? Or if you're not watching TV right now, what's the last book you read? Oh, man. I, I really I have not watched much TV. We went for a month without it. It was awesome. But the last book, the book that I'm reading right now, I'm reading Nehemiah because we are, our theme this year is brick by brick. And we're mm. trying to rebuild that wall in 52 days and you know, I sent out a passage today to our players about the, the time that Nehemiah had a, a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's where I feel like we're at as a program. Uh, but Nehemiah, and, 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 and also I bought 70 of Pass Me Another Brick. Uh, one of the I've heard one of the greatest leadership books around. I think it's uh, I can't remember the pastor that wrote it. I'm sorry, I have to look it up. But we just purchased them. We're about to hand them out this week. So excited to start that book with our team. What's it called? Uh, hand me another brick. I believe I said pass, but I think it's hand me another brick. Hand um, me another brick. Okay, yeah, it's by uh, Charles. You, Charles. Swin- yeah, it's by Charles Swindoll, right? Yes, Swindoll. Yep. Yep. So we're starting that book this week. Excellent. Uh, what is your favorite band? Favorite band? Um, I'm really embarrassed to say this. I don't have a favorite band, but I go to I go to Spotify and right. I just click on Christian music mm-hmm. and um, anything anything on there Christian music. I'll find a good station and and chime in. But right now. I clicked on it in my truck, and it's Carrie Underwood because my seventh okay. grade daughter loves <laughs> Carrie Underwood. So. You're at that stage of life <laughs> listening to whatever your kids listen to. That's exactly uh, right. That's awesome. Well, when you get back on TV, by the way, I meant to tell you this. Be sure and check out the quarterback on uh, Netflix. I think you would really, okay. you'd now, really enjoy I it. I watched that. Okay, man, it's yeah, so good. So when, I was, when I was flying back and forth, I flew back and forth several weeks. And uh, I did. I, I watched quarterback. Um, another one, well, yeah, I can't remember the name of the other one. But I did. There were a couple shows that I did watch, and quarterback was one of them. Well, I'm glad you caught it. I, I, I did not know that Kirk Cousins um, claimed to be a Christian. I didn't know any of that until I started watching it. And so it's like now I'm, I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan. So Yeah, so crazy story. His kids were at TFA last year. He lived here in Orlando. Really? And so I'm a huge fan. Yeah, I'm a huge wow. fan of, of Kirk Cousins. I hope, to, I hope to get to meet him. That, that would be incredible. Uh, what is your favorite meal? I love a medium rare steak. Yeah. And so I, I never pass up a, an opportunity to eat red meat. What are you going to pair that with? Are you like a, a mashed potatoes, like just a baked potato kind of guy? What are you going to do? It's steak. Well, I don't need anything else, right? <laughs> oh, you need the meat. Oh, that's right, man. That's it probably really the number matter, one answer. You know? We get that answer a lot yeah. on the podcast. Uh, steak is, is, a, <laughs> is a favorite. Um, what is on your nightstand right now? I have a picture of my family. I have a phone charger, and I have some uh, practice plans that I probably need to throw away. Melissa will probably get on to me for that. <laughs> Give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. Man, I have really loved coming home. Like, again, I I said this already, but we've been practicing early in the morning. And so I have a little bit more time than I'm used to in the afternoon. Mm. And I've been going home and, you know, my my six-year-old son, Jones Allen, has loved playing PlayStation. Mm. 
and uh, so we've got a we've got a PS4, and he plays Madden. Oh, that's perfect. and last night, I'm I'm like trying to beat the six year old, <laughs> and I'm trying to play. It Did all. you win? You know, he's scoring on me. I had to milk the clock, drive it all the way down, and kick a field goal to win 46-43 <laughs> against a six-year-old. Uh, if he would have known how to use his timeouts better, he probably would have beat me. But I wasn't coaching him up in the moment. I was just trying to win the game. <laughs> of course, man. You can't let him beat you. Who were you playing with? What was your team? I had He had the uh, Seahawks. And I believe who was I playing with? Uh, I was playing with the Chiefs. I had Patrick Mahomes, and I could barely beat this kid. <laughs> oh man, yeah, you should have been able to uh, run up the score. So that 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 says a lot about his skills. <laughs> Last question: What is one thing you're deeply grateful for right now? I am so grateful for the people in my life that have helped me along the way. Spiritually, financially, with advice, I am. I really. I, I'm so humbled. I'm in a. I'm in a really cool spot, and I can really give a whole lot of credit to the people that were around me. I'm a. Mm-hmm. I'm a kid from Northwest or excuse me, Southeast Missouri that ended up going to a great town like Paragold, where people just poured into me, and then another great town. Arkadelphia and then Springdale and then now you know back to Paragould back to Springdale and now in Orlando and I certainly wouldn't be in this position if it weren't for great people in all of those towns just pouring into me and helping me do life and challenging me calling me out when I didn't do it well but encouraging me when I did mm. so I, I'm just at a place in my life where I'm really thankful for people the people that invested in me Well, that is a great place to end. Jeff, thanks so much, man. I know you've had a big impact. I didn't know you in high school. I knew of you, but the people that were with around you in high school, even um, those that I talked to some today, talk about how big of an impact you had on them, even uh, whenever you're in the teenage years. And I know you've had a a great impact in all the places you've been. And uh, man, I I pray that this next season will be one of the most fruitful uh, of your life for you and your family. And so thanks so much again uh, for making this space to be here. You're welcome, and I, if I have time, I want to say this. I, I appreciate you, Jared, and what you're doing. And, uh, just the way that you've blessed that community, and you've encouraged so many. You've sharpened so many. You've, you've shepherded well so many. Um, I've never, you know, we, we when I lived there, we didn't necessarily hang out, or, or you know, we, we were friends, but yep. you've encouraged me. And the life that you live, even though I'm not there, it's, it's encouraging the way that you follow the Lord and the way that you share his, his glory with others. Um, I'm, I'm always challenged by the way you live, and, and you definitely make people better, and, and I'm one of them. So thank you, brother. I appreciate that encouragement, man. Look forward to connecting again next time. All right. Thanks, Jared. All right, and that was Jeff Conaway. Um, man, absolutely Love getting to spend time with that guy. I know he's very, very busy. Um, There's a lot from that podcast that I can take away. Hopefully you can as well. Um, For those of you who are still listening, I would encourage you, if you've not done so, please go to iTunes, go to Spotify, wherever you listen to uh, your podcast. Give us a five-star writing that helps people to find us more quickly and learn about the amazing people here. Also, um, we're on different social media platforms. Primarily, we're on Instagram and Facebook, so if you've not done so, please check us out there. As always, thanks so much for listening. Until next time.